0: Hey, what's up guys? Pastor Mike Rosado here, lead pastor of Fervent Church, and we are in part two of our fight, the good fight series. Hopefully you have caught up with part one. And last week we learned about contentment, right? And how to fight when we lack contentment. And uh, I was being really honest with you guys. It was kind of therapeutic, but hopefully it brought you uh, some liberation in that area, and gave you the tools to fight it just as well, just as much as I'm fighting it. And so we're going to continue on in this series. and um, today I'm going to be bringing up a topic that I want to make sure that it's framed the right way because um, if not if we f- if we listen to this message from the standpoint of you know uh, religion and what we've heard, this concept taught in religion, Um, We're gonna filter it, and we're not gonna catch it. And I want us to catch it. I don't want you. I don't want for me just to teach it. You have to also catch it. We have to catch it. And so today, I'm talking about the flesh. (laughs) The flesh. Um, You, if you grew up in church, you might have heard like you know people saying, "Oh, you gotta battle the flesh," or you know, "I'm sorry, I was speaking from my flesh." And we're gonna dive. We're gonna do a deeper dive into that concept. Um, But I want to talk about the flesh because I feel like. At times, we forget about the flesh. Um, hyper-spiritual people, we, we, we forget about the other parts of the Trinity. You know, we believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, but I believe over here, there's a the Trinity of bad, right? That's the good Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But there's a the Trinity of bad. There's the world, there's um, the, the devil, um, and then there's the flesh, okay? The world, the devil, and the flesh. And most of the time, we love to blame the other two. Because um, that third one is basically us, right? But we love to blame it on the world, right? Um, growing up, that was the biggest thing I heard preached, man. The world, you got to separate yourself from the world. All oh, the world is evil. This world is going to hell in a handbasket, you know? And so, you know, I, we, <laughs> we had these ceremonies where we would break our secular CDs, you know, our worldly CDs, right? And so, I remember had an accession where we were breaking all my CDs and throwing away my cassette tapes and, and we stopped listening to the radio and we stopped watching certain television shows, right? We had to stop watching The Simpsons. We had to stop watching anything Disney because Disney had a bunch of witchcraft in it and that was worldly. Come on, am I, am I triggering anyone watching today? Right. We had to we had to stop watching rated R movies. I remember going to college and we were like, oh, you got to stop watching rated R movie. And then the movie The Passion came out and it was big moral dilemma. Can you go see The Passion of Christ, even though it's rated R and we're not allowed to watch rated R movies? There was this huge divide between us and the world. Why? Because that was the bad trinity, the world, the devil and now the flesh. And then again, growing up in Pentecostal type of churches, both uh, an African-American Pentecostal church and a Spanish uh, Pentecostal church and everything was the devil, right? If you were sick, if you had a cold, the devil. You know, we were casting out demons everywhere. You know, everything's the devil. We're casting it out. You know, I remember one time they were praying over my sister's Cabbage patch dolls because it had the devil in it and we're casting out the devil everywhere we go. Um, and you could kind of like sense my uh, distaste for us always casting out the devil when um, sometimes, believe it or not, uh, we need to cast out stupidity before we're casting out Satan. Here's your first quotable of the day, folks. Why don't you try casting out stupidity before you try casting out Satan? Because there's that third thing, it's the flesh. And so the framework of the series, we've been talking about how to fight the good fight so we're fighting contentment and today I want to talk about fighting the flesh why because Paul says in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 right his dying words that he's giving to this young leader named Timothy he's saying this I fought the good fight I finished the race I have kept the faith that's what we have to do we have to fight the good fight which means there's some bad fights out there. And I think a lot of times, we're, is, does the spiritual world exist? Absolutely. Does the world have issues in the systems of this world or contrary to what the Spirit wants to do? Absolutely. But we don't miss out that we need to fight the good fight of faith because here's what I know. I know that God, Jesus has overcome the world, okay? Jesus said that it is finished. Victory is ours against the enemy, right? All we have to do is we resist the enemy, he will flee, Um, So what's the thing that they have to carry around this lifetime of ours until the day we die? It's this flesh that is the good fight so that we could finish the race and we can keep the faith. All right. And let's not, I always tried my best to, when we talk about the world, not talk about it in a way where, like, you know, this world is twisted and evil, because there there are parts of it that that, that's true. but I think we've created so much of a separation that we forgot to be in the world. So much of a separation that we forgot about. John 3.16 where, where the Bible actually says that God so loved the world. And so we created such a distaste for the world that we forgot that we need to still love the world. That we need to be in the world and not of the world. We forgot about that. That we're still, we still exist here. We still exist here. And so the, the world is actually a place... For the church. The church needs to exist in the world. all right. And A lot of people are like, we're trying to protect the world from coming into the church. And I get that part, but, but let's, not, let's not forget that the church actually belongs in the world so that we can make an impact, so that we can have influence. And so we need to fight. If we're going to fight anything, let's fight the flesh. And Paul, so Paul's giving this charge to uh, my man Timothy, uh, but he talks a lot about the flesh in Scripture. Um, you see it a lot. You know, you see, um, he's writing to the church in, 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 of Galatia and, and, and Galatians. And in and Galatians 5 24, he says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and his passions and desires. Okay, so he talks about that we need to crucify this thing. Now, think of the imagery here Jesus was crucified on the cross. What a gruesome death that was. And we need to put to death the flesh's passions and desires. But let's not demonize the flesh either because. Um, you gotta think about it in context. He talked about the flesh in many different ways, or so the flesh or our body, right? And so we talked about, you know, that same Greek word he used for, for flesh and body. You know, soma. He, he talked about that's the body of Christ. So the body or the flesh isn't always evil. And he talked about sometimes flesh is in the context of just being hungry and 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 being normal, being human, right? And so. What is he talking about in the context of when the flesh is a bad thing? Um, because, again, I don't want to paint the wrong picture, and I definitely don't want to say things that Scripture isn't saying. Um, a, lot of, a lot of my um, counseling time is spent trying to reprogram people um, that have been distorted by the church. Here's one example. You know, there's, There was one time where I was counseling a couple, and this girl, um, her whole entire life, she was taught that sex is wrong, sex is bad, sex is dirty. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. All of a sudden, she has a ring on her finger and now it's okay. So think about decades of being programmed that sex is dirty, don't do it. It's wrong, it's sinful, it's this, Is that. And then all of a sudden, she puts on a ring, she has a difficult time having intimacy with her husband. Why? Because she's been programmed that that's a fleshly thing that is carnal, whatever word you want to use, and now we have to deprogram that uh, because it's affecting their marriage. Right? And so I want to humanize, I want to normalize that when we talk about flesh, I'm I'm talking about it in the context of this, that your flesh is that self-centeredness, okay? So when we talk about living according to the flesh, that's probably a better phrase, And that's what the phrase that Paul uses. Living according to the flesh means living according to a self-centered, selfish way. Let's write that down. When we talk about living according to the flesh, your flesh is normal. Your flesh is natural. All right. It's not evil. But when we talk about living according to that phrase, living according to the flesh, that means living according to a self-centered, selfish way. All right. So that's what we're talking about. They're two different things because my flesh gets hungry. Ready? I'm going to get real controversial, but this is the truth. My flesh gets horny, all right? And that is normal. That is normal. Your flesh gets tired. That is normal, okay? So let's embrace that. That's not, it's not a sin to get tired. It's a sin to manage it. It's a sin not to, to, to allow the weariness to lead us, which we'll talk about in a second, but, but it's not a sin to, to, to feel aroused when you're around your spouse it's not a sin to be hungry right it's it it, those things that's not fleshly that's natural but living according to the flesh it means when i'm activating my self-centered selfish ways that's what we're talking about here so paul continues on in romans 8 it's going to be a key context today and then we're going to go back to my man jacob remember jacob we talked about jacob uh and his brother esau uh, we're going to go back to that, too, because we're going to stay with the, that character throughout this series. But, but we're going we're to hinge on Paul and, and Jacob here. And Paul says this in Romans 8. He says, therefore, um, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit. Now, again, he creates this contrast. And listen to the context, okay? So he's not just talking about this skin, this, this bag of bones that we're carrying around. He's not talking about that. He's talking about this, this a contrast between the Spirit of Christ and this other thing, this self-centered way. And so, he says, For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sin, uh, sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So watch this. Listen to what he says. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." You see that? He's not just talking about, it's, it's, it's symbolic. It's not talking about the actual flesh. It's talking about when he says, according to the flesh, uh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things according to the Spirit. For to set the mind, and the reason I'm emphasizing mind, because that's going to come up a little later, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind of the Spirit is peace and life. So, so if we're stressed out, it's because our minds aren't on the Spirit, because the Spirit, right, the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Now, last week we talked about I had a problem with God. That's me living according to the flesh, so hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Whoa. And then verse 9, real quick, it says, You, however, you, you, those whom I'm talking about, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Okay, so if you have accepted Jesus in your heart, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Okay, so anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But we belong to Him, so we have it. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, now your body is not actually dead, right? Again, this is talking metaphorical about this self-centered way that should be dead in us. The spirit is life because of righteousness. So, if the spirit of him who uh, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who has raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Okay. So this is about living according to the flesh. It's that self-centered, selfish way that comes up, that creeps up its ugly head constantly. And that's the thing we need to fight. That's the thing we need to crucify. That's the thing we need to put to death. That's the thing that we're talking about today. So how do you fight the flesh? How do you fight the flesh? I want to go back to my man, Jacob and Esau, the, those two guys, those t- the twins, and talk about this constant fighting that they had. Um, and there's this crazy part of the story, which I briefly mentioned last week. Um, we can read it in Genesis 25, where um, Esau was out doing this thing. Remember Harry, man's man, Esau, out doing this thing, and came back, and he was starving, hungry. Um, and we pick it up in verse 29. It says, um, Once, when Jacob was cooking, Esau came in from the field, and watch this, he was exhausted. He was exhausted, and Esau said to, to Jacob, let me, let me eat some of the red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. So he had this nickname, and Edom meant red. Right? So big red came in exhausted and hungry. And Jacob said, Well, sell me your birthright. And Esau being dramatic, because that's what, um, if you allow your flesh to lead your life, you kind of live in a dramatic fashion. And this is what Esau's response was. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is his birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright. What is a birthright? Birthright is, again, that, that what belonged to the oldest son. Remember Esau, even though they were twins, Esau was the first one that came out. And so he was the oldest son And according to the custom. And so sold the birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Man, if Esau wasn't living according to the flesh in this moment, I don't know what he was doing. So we're going to derive some principles from this on how to fight the flesh. We're going to take some of the things that Paul said. We're going to take some of the things that happened in this scene right here. And we're going to apply, how do we today fight against the flesh? Remember, Paul kept on repeating that term, mindset, mindset, mindset. Here's a couple of mindsets we need to have in order to fight the good fight against our flesh. Number one, have a beyond the moment mindset. We need to have a beyond the moment mindset. We need to think beyond the moment that's in front of us. Paul says, "But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. The Spirit does not focus on what's temporary, on what's temporal. The flesh is temporal. Why? Because one of the from from, from dust we came, to dust we'll return. Okay, I, I, all all this that we're looking at right now is just temporary. This is going to die. This is going to wither away. Right? Some of uh, us old people, right? And I'm putting myself in that, ca- you know, put in that category because uh, I pushed past forty, right? So older people, we're already feeling things falling apart, right? Uh, my my man Brian, he's getting knee surgery now, and all my friends are getting surgeries to fix certain things. Why? Because we're slowly falling apart. This is forty, okay? We're slowly falling apart. All this is temporary, and I think because it's temporary, the flesh only thinks. In moments the flesh only thinks in moments and so if we live according to the flesh the flesh its framework its frame of reference its perspective is only going to see in the moment but in order for, for us to live according to the spirit and then when we talk about spirit spirit is beyond material beyond right now beyond even our timeline beyond it lives beyond the beginning and the end that's, what the, that's how the Spirit processes. And so, when we get into sin, what does sin do? And I think sin just reverses the order that the Spirit processes in. The Spirit... Ooh, get this. The Spirit will say, okay, I'm going to endure momentary pain for eternal pleasure. That's what the, how the Spirit processes. Momentary pain... For eternal pleasure so when I live according to the spirit I'm gonna I'm gonna buy even though everybody says that banana cream pie was the best banana cream pie they ever had um, but I, but I need to be healthy my, my sugar levels are up I, I, I you know I'm too heavy my, my back's hurting because of my heaviness I'm gonna bypass that banana cream pie but moment of pain to have eternal pleasure that's how the spirit processes but then when the flesh leads us to sin and leads us to death this is how the flesh does. He says, hey, let's get that momentary pleasure that might produce eternal pain. You see the reversal here? So it's like, give me that moment of pleasure. Moment of pleasure. So Esau was like, yo, give me this moment where I could eat this stew and I will trade away my eternal birthright. Give me just this moment. And that's what the flesh loves to do. So we need to reverse it and we need to have a beyond the moment mindset. We can make fun of Esau all we want. Like, how stupid can you be to trade away your inheritance for some flipping stew? What kind of stew was this? Um, We can mock him all we want. But real talk, there are plenty of times in our lives, plenty of times in our lives, where we've given up on our values for moments, multiple times. There are plenty of times where we've given up our values for moments. We've given up our values, right? I had a value of of, you know, being being pure minded. And I had a value of making sure I was saving myself for marriage, but I gave it away for a moment. I had a value of living with integrity and being a person of integrity. But but I had a moment where I had to have that thing now. So I stole it or I took it or I forced it. Right. We all have the issues. We all have made mistakes where we've traded our values, our eternal values for moments. Um, and, and if you're stubborn like me, or if you're stubborn like Esau, um, you start even despising those values that you traded away. I watch people now, if I'm really honest, and I know that uh, the whole purity culture thing has... Um, made people has hurt people in the past um like i said the whole religious thing kind of hurt people but then um when when people have traded away their purity and i still believe that purity is is it's a principle of god all right you can't run away from that um have people use and abuse uh purity to exclude people and to treat people like crap absolutely but but purity is still something that we should long for and there are times now where i've watched people in their deconstruction where they would um sit there and say they despise the value um, because they've traded it away and they don't want to feel bad about it. And that's what Esau did. The Bible says that he despised his birthright. And and I've done that too, where I've given up on something, you know, uh, you know, I've given up. There was one season in my life where, if I'm honest, I, I've given up on like really, really like intimate prayer um, because, again, I feel like people used it in a manipulative way. I I feel like people performed prayer rather than actually praying, and so um, for a while I despised prayer, um, and I traded it away for a moment of feeling like I was in control of the situation rather than um, abiding by the Spirit and seeing beyond the moment. Um, I think living beyond the moment, seeing beyond the moment, Pressing pause before we make decisions. How does this look 10 years from now? How does this feel 20 years from now? How does this impact the kingdom of God? Not just the kingdom of this earth, but the kingdom of God in heaven. How does this affect that? Um, for us to start processing and thinking that way. Um, and and to, to live beyond the moment. And in order to live beyond the moment, we have to think beyond the moment. And so we have to have a beyond the moment mindset. Uh, you know, I liken this like in the times where I'm successful... In my eating and in my health it's about meal planning it's about man like if i'm ready with a tupperware with portion controlled meal um that's when i'm I'm doing my best that's when i'm living my best life when i'm when i'm prepared when i'm planned and and i liken it to the word that that i kind of made this word up um, but it helps me out a lot it's like i do better when i pre-decide when i live beyond the moment when i pre-decide what i'm going to do rather than deciding in the moment uh, because I'm weak in the moment, right? So when I'm sober-minded, when I'm coming off a of prayer, when I'm coming out of God's presence, I'm a pre-decide. I'm a pre-decide to bless people. I'm to pre-decide to be generous. I'm going to pre-decide that I'm going to pray for my enemies. I'm not going to wait to make that decision in the moment. I'm going to pre-decide that I'm, I'm going to love my spouse. I'm going to pre-decide that I'm going to bless my kids. I'm going to pre-decide that regardless regardless of the conditions I'm gonna live unconditionally maybe that's another way to say that I'm gonna live unconditionally because I want to fight and beat my flesh every single time I have the opportunity to do so why because I'm having a beyond the moment mindset y'all getting this number two I need to have a manage the flesh mindset okay I have managed the flesh mindset what do I mean by that um, sometimes we don't manage the flesh we're managed by the flesh that's what the bible says the bible says that esau came in from the field and he was exhausted okay he was exhausted that hebrew word for exhausted means faint famished weary we see it translated those three different ways throughout scripture faint famished and weary um, and so i think just like esau we allow ourselves. We allow ourselves to get tired. We allow ourselves to get hungry. We allow ourselves, like we talked about last week, to get confused and we don't stay in front of it. We don't stay on top of it. So we're not managing the flesh. We're managed by the flesh. He was famished. He allowed himself to get that hungry. He allowed himself to get that tired he allowed himself, you, you fill in the blank. He allowed himself to get so whatever, whatever your flesh produces, so angry. He allowed himself, and so at times when we're not managed by the flesh, right? When, when, when we could see beyond the moment, we could get in front of it. We could say, okay, I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to address this issue. I'm going to talk about this. But when you're, when you're managed by the flesh, okay, then... Oh man, then what do we do? We bottle things up, we don't express our feelings because like, our flesh is saying, don't don't go there, don't do that. And then we allow ourselves to get so angry. We allow ourselves to get so tired. Let me help you out. Your problems look a lot bigger when you're tired. And so we allow ourselves to get to that point. Why? Because we're managed by our flesh rather than managing our flesh. Y'all pick up what I'm laying down here? Right? This is some really good stuff. And so we have to get in front of it. We allow ourselves to get extremely whatever. And so the way to do that is to manage it. To not let ourselves, we're going to get weary, but don't let ourselves get so weary that we make dumb decisions. And that requires, y'all, y'all ain't going to like this word because I don't like it, discipline. It requires discipline. And, and, and I love our faith because our faith has these practices um, that it imparts to the Christian life that help us in this area of discipline, right? It's fast, you know, we don't talk about this a lot in modern day uh, Christianity um, and because some people chalk it up to just being super religious and even Jesus attacked this principle of, of fasting, right? He says fast and he said, when you fast, don't, look, don't do it for performance. Do it because it's a it's a spiritual discipline that helps us manage our flesh. All right. So the discipline of fasting, another discipline that we kind of forgot about in modern day churches is the discipline of confession. Right to confess your sins to one another. James five sixteen says. Right. That's another great discipline. To like constantly put yourself out there and put yourself in, in in a community of accountability. That's a discipline. That's hard. Right to, to, to get that daily bread, to, to read God's word on a consistent basis, that is a discipline that we need. And shoot, Christians, um, it's not just about your spiritual health, but it's also about your physical health. Because guess what? Your physical health, if you're managed, if you're managed by the flesh, your, your physical health is going to affect your spiritual health. Right. So again, your problems seem a lot bigger when you're tired. And so, rather than resting, how about exercising? How about eating well, right? How about taking care of this temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Those who've been a Christian, you know about this. This body is actually not, it's not an evil thing. It just needs to be managed. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so i got to exercise. And again, I'm preaching to the choir, and I'm preaching to myself. Rest, how about rest being a discipline, right? Some of us were resting a little too much. I'll get to that in a second. But 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 rest. Like we work six days, we rest one day, right? That's the rhythm that we should have. There should be a discipline of rest. We should have to pick up these disciplines. Because why? B- write this down. Rhythm will help you find the beat. A lot of times we get thrown off the beat. We lose the beat, the heartbeat of life, and we lose the 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 sense of normality and stability. And the best way to do that is if, it, if we live the disciplined life, there's this rhythm that we have. Come on, we could, we could rock with the two-step, even if you don't have that much rhythm. But, and, and the rhythm, once you find the rhythm, the rhythm will help you find that beat. And a lot of times we feel off beat. We feel off there are days when you just wake up feeling funky. Most of the time when I feel funky, I just know that, that I need to get back to my rhythm because the rhythm will help you find your beat. And the only way to maintain rhythm is to maintain your discipline, all right? Maintain your discipline. And for us to, again, get in front, we gotta lead our flesh. That's the best way to fight it. Lead our flesh. Manage our flesh. Most of the time, no, let me say this. Pastor moment, I should just label this pastor moment, right? From Pastor Mike to Fervent Church. I have watched people be motivated by two factors, two mindsets. Um, I've seen people be motivated by fear and I've seen people be motivated by laziness. Fear and laziness. All right. And you, and you know this. You, you know this. All right. If, you, if I'm talking to you, you know I'm talking to you. Right. Normally, here's two reasons why you know I'm talking to you. If you're the person like, nope, that's not me. He's so wrong about this. I'm probably talking to you and you're just in denial. Or if you're like, yep, he's talking to me, then I'm probably talking to you. All right. But I'm, you know who I'm talking about. They were crippled by the spirit of fear because of everything that's going on. And I understand that. It is... It is scary. To some degree, it is scary. Even a person that's a brave person like myself, I have to admit, and I and I have sympathy for those that some of this is scary. It's uncharted territory. No one has the manual for how to you know how to you know handle COVID-19. Nobody has that. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm even gracious towards politicians right now because even if they might be crooked or not, like there is no manual. There's no. We haven't not been here before. We haven't been here before. So so I have a little bit of grace. For that okay but there's a spirit of fear happening or there's a spirit of laziness and and everything is viewed through the eyes of laziness um real talk like this is this is why not just our church but churches all around our area churches in our denomination they're struggling with getting volunteers they're struggling and it's not just because of covid sorry it's because people really enjoyed their comfort, not getting up and not serving. Um, But listen, man, if we're not serving, then what are we doing? Like, how can we be like Jesus and not serve? It's laziness. It's laziness. And, And I've watched lazy people will give fearful excuses to justify their laziness. Lazy people will give... Fearful excuses to justify their laziness. So when there are people that are really crippled by their fear, and lazy people are like, oh, you know, I'm kind of nervous. And, and here's what you forget. You forget that your pastor follows you on social media. So like, oh, I'm scared to come to a public place. So then why did I see you at that party? Mm, well, I'm scared to sign up for a collective. Yeah, but like I just saw you at Great Adventure. Great Adventure wasn't sanitary before COVID. I love great adventure, but a little comedic relief just to ease the tension here. But you hear what I'm saying? Like, ask yourself this question. Are you are you managing your flesh or are you being managed by your flesh and allowing fear and laziness to stop you? Right? I'm not just doing this just to grow the church, but to stop you from living like Christ and serving the least of these, serving children serving people, serving your neighbor because of fear and laziness? Dare I say, and I, I, might, I might hear the emails and I don't care, but dare I say that we're limited because we're not managing our flesh, we're being managed by the flesh. What would it look like? If anything, you could even tell me, hey, you know what, still not signing up, still not showing up, that's fine. Um, but ask yourself the question, before I make this decision, how would this decision, what would this decision look like if I lived according to the Spirit? Number three. <laughs> I need to have an I'm not alone mindset. I need to have an I'm not alone mindset. Galatians 6, 1-5 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression or sin, mistake, calamity, You who are spiritual, if you consider yourself spiritual, we're talking to you right now. You who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. In the spirit of gentleness, watch out on yourself, lest you be too tempted. Bear one another's burdens, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one of you test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have their own bear to load. Now, we should talk about uh, like carrying one another's burdens. Um, I think the reason that we, our flesh wins certain fights is because we're alone. And that's always been uh, a strategy is to get us alone alone. because your ideas seem amazing when you're alone. Your thoughts, you're, you're a genius when you're alone. It's easy to feel like a holy person when you're alone. Real easy to feel like a holy person when you're alone. But in order to beat the flesh, we need to have an I'm not alone mindset. I love the message version of that Galatian verse. It says, if anyone falls into sin, forgive uh, Forgivingly restore them, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might, you might be needing forgiveness before the day's out, too. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed, share their burdens, and so complete Christ's law. If you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Wow. Wow. Eugene Peterson went at it when he did that paraphrase of Galatians. We have to understand that you are not alone and you shouldn't live alone. We need accountability. We need community. Um, We need challenge. We need accountability, we need community, and we need challenge. Community, we want people to live in community, but community by itself isn't the goal. It's, when we say authentic community is one of our values here, that authenticity allows space for accountability and challenge to happen, okay? So we can be buddy-buddy best friends, but if we're not helping and aiding each other's destiny, if we're not growing together, then what's the point? The point of combating that loneliness is to help us battle the flesh. And we put specific leaders over you. And man, I know I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a couple things that, that aren't your favorite topics, but it's Scripture. Right, Paul tells the church, you know, in Hebrews, he says, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. He goes, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will give an give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for what good, what advantage of that will be to you? We have this advantage when we have people in our lives and we have leaders over us challenging us and pushing us. Hey, have you considered this? Hey, why aren't you doing that? And allowing that challenge and accountability to exist. And the problem is, folks, is that this is important because when I talk about leaders, leaders hold you accountable. Now, trust me, they, if it's a healthy system, if it's a healthy church, I don't know if you attend fervent church, you might attend other church, but if it's a healthy church, then those leaders have their own accountability system. But you allow the leader... To, to have authority in the accountability. They're not a leader if they're just holding you accountable. Do, have you authorized them to hold you accountable? What that means is like, they can't just tell you that you're wrong, right? They actually have the opportunity to say, hey, we need to change this, we need to do that. You have, have actually authorized them to do that. That's how they're your leaders. And you submit, is what scripture says, submit to them. Why? Because that, to, to rebel all the time, And I'm talking to myself because I'm naturally rebellious. I naturally want to stick it to the man. Um, At times, that has not been to my own advantage. That has robbed me from the opportunity of having accountability and challenge in my life because I want to do things alone or I want to do things my way. And so we isolate ourselves. And maybe you don't even have a problem with authority that way, um, but you do have a problem with shame. And so what what the flesh loves to do is that the flesh always deals with shame and we try to shame ourselves to change and so we make a mistake we don't tell anybody we don't confess we're not held accountable so we isolate ourselves right we, we we're like yo i'm just gonna chill in the cut i'm not gonna hang out for a while you ever watch those guys this is me you ever watch those guys it's just for like for a couple weeks you don't hear from them they, they kind of go and they isolate themselves because some things, you know, they're just going through something right now. You know, I'm just handling some things behind the scenes. Um, you, you, handling things by yourself is the dumbest thing ever. And I'm talking straight to myself if I'm not talking to you. Try to do that. I'm just going to try to figure it out. Handle again, you're, the, you're always the genius when you're by yourself. You're always the holiest when you're by yourself. You have to incorporate people, OK? And, and what I've tried to do is at the time I'm, when I'm isolated, and I'm alone. I live in shame. I live in shame, and I think that for a second that shame is going to be the motivator to make me change this habit or or rectify this mistake. Um, and shame never works. So how do I handle? How do I how do I fix that shame issue? Is that you, well, you counter shame with sharing. Let me say that again. You counter shame with sharing, and you can't just share with yourself. Sharing with yourself is selfishness. Sharing with others is generosity. Right. And so you counter shame with sharing. And then when you come out, just like Paul says, like, hey, don't 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 sit there and pretend like you don't struggle with this issue as well. Don't sit there and be critical about it. Again, I love that message version. Right. Saving your critical comments for yourself. Saving your critical comments for yourself. You know what I hate? I hate when people are like, can I give you a suggestion? And then they don't give me the space to say yes or no, and they just offer me their suggestion. I'm getting to the age in my life right now where I'm just going to flat out say no. Can I offer you a suggestion? No. Save your critical comments to yourself. Did I ask you for your suggestion? Right? Come on, that's that, that's that 40-year-old anointed swag that's coming through right now. Right? I mean, you just get to the place where you're like, ah, no more critical comments. Save, save your suggestions for yourself. Unless I ask, then you give it to me. Right? That's where I'm at in life. Right? But I'm fighting my flesh, trying to live according to the spirit. I'm feeling convicted even as I say that. Y'all see that happening on screen? All right. So we, we, we counter it by sharing. And, and, and at times, I found myself, when, when, when there's a heavy theme of shame in my life, uh, Brene Brown says this best. She says that we always judge in the areas we're most vulnerable to shame let me say that again because it's so good we always judge in the areas that were most vulnerable to shame so i would catch myself being really judgy towards certain individuals in these certain areas and then i found out when, I, when i'm living according to the spirit and the spirit convicts me and makes me aware of that like wow i'm actually the reason i'm really judgy in this area because i'm most vulnerable to shame in this area and shame brings forth disconnection. In fact, some people have defined shame as the fear of disconnection. And it's cyclical because once I fear disconnection, shame grows in isolation. So, so, so it's, it's, it's like, it's just this weird, confusing cycle that we're living in when we're dealing with shame. Um, and in the very beginning, when the fall happened it, with Adam and Eve, one of the first emotions they felt was shame. Remember, they covered themselves up in fig leaves. And so this is a result of our fallen nature. And we need to fight it. And the way we fight it, the way we combat it, the way we counter this shame is by sharing and having an I'm not alone mindset. You're not alone. I promise you, I promise you this. Here's what my Bible says, that Jesus faced every temptation. He, 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 we do not serve a priest that can't empathize with us. So even if you feel people don't understand you, Jesus understands you. You are not alone. You're not alone. So the way to combat the flesh is like, I am not alone. There are other people that are feeling this way. There are other people that are battling this type of anger. There's other people that are battling this type of depression, this type of anxiety. Um, And the way to combat that is not to live in isolation and shame. But let me share this because I'm going to have an I'm not alone mentality. And that's how we fight our flesh.